this is just so odd to me. Like as I was preparing the sermon uh, last night after a long day, I, I had that instinct and the, to, to get a PowerPoint. Just go get a PowerPoint together real quick where we can have all the verses on the screen. And it'd been a long day already, and I kind of had to convince myself that we're going to be okay. We don't have to have a PowerPoint this morning. You can uh, preach without it. We do often on some Sunday nights anyways. You'll be all right, Mikey. But then my mind starts to work on me. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. What are we going to do? What can I possibly preach about? We've been so prepared for this, and I don't want to start the new series uh, yet either. That'll be pushed back another week as well. What can we do? Uh, shoot from the hip? No, i got to be a little bit more prepared. What can I possibly teach about? What can we possibly do? Does anybody else get like that, or is it just me? No? Just me? I need help? Okay. But it, but then it rang true. And I'm looking at the bulletin, and I'm thinking, man, this thing is just all wrong. This We almost could have waited and just uh, handed out this same exact bulletin next week, except for it will have the wrong date on it, and, and Tony's name would have been wrong on it. Uh, and then I saw it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Used it last week as well. And remember what I said. I said, this is kind of... Something I've been looking at for a while. This verse really touches my heart. It's almost going to be kind of our theme verse for the year. And why was it in the bulletin? Because we had a little bit extra room. And I thought, let's just put it in the bulletin for this week. decision was made long before the snow. And I read it again. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. And the more I looked at that verse, the more it was really in my mind that whatever we decide to preach about today and share from God's word, stay true to what the word says. Stay true, it said. To what is right. Keep a close watch, it said, on how you live and how you teach your doctrine. What do you believe about Christ? Don't get liberal with it. You gotta go to what the word says. Stay true. Watch closely how you live. So let me ask you this morning, how are you living? Are you living a life that, that says I'm following Jesus? Are you living a life that is setting an example for your kids and your neighbors? Are you following Jesus all the way with everything that you do? Now listen, all of us can do better. Whether you are here at church for the very first time in your life and you're seeking a relationship with Jesus, or whether you've been a Christian since the day you, you was born, uh, you've come to church and you, you, you became a Christian early on and you've never missed a Sunday, whatever it may be, we can all do better. We can all, all follow Christ even more in our lives. So i got to ask still, though, how are you living? Are you living in a way that would be an example to others? What else did the scriptures say right then? For the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of others. That's why we've got to stay true to what is right. That's why we've got to keep a close watch. For our own sake, of course, and for the sake of others. 
Now, that might sound silly to you. Maybe you're thinking, well, you know, uh, me remembering to pray, remembering to, to, to follow Christ, to, to live a, a, a life full of the fruit of the Spirit. How is that going to affect anyone else? Let's never forget that people are watching you. Today, people are watching you. Tomorrow, people will be watching you. Are they asking the question, why is that person happy all the time? Are they maybe other people thinking, why is this person always talking about rejoicing? Why are they always going to church? Give them a reason to ask by how you live for your sake and others. We must stay true to what is right. Stay true to the word of God. So then now let's ask that question. Then stay true to what is right. Then what is right? Because that's something that we love to say a lot. We've got to make sure we follow Christ. We've got to make sure we stay righteous. We've got to do the right thing. We've got to follow the fruit of the Spirit. But what does that really mean? What, what is that? I think that's important that we know. Maybe you can say, how do we do this? Let's, let's change it to this. What should I do? What should I do to follow Jesus? What should I do to stay true to what is right? First, you've got to give your life to Christ. Repent and be baptized is what Peter said. Assuming that that's already the case, now what do you got to do to stay true? Let's look at some examples. Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 25 through 28. Jesus was teaching through a crowd, and now he's going to be asked a question. It says, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? When we're talking about staying true to what is right, that's really what we're aiming for, right? What, what can we do to keep our salvation, to stay on that road, to keep following Jesus? This, this guy's asking basically the same thing. What should I do? To inherit eternal life. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And how does that apply to us? What does the scripture say? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. There's more to this story, of course. We'll get to that in a second. So what has he said here? Love God. Step number one, what should I do to stay true to what is right? Love the Lord, your God. Heart, soul, strength, mind, everything about you, love God. But then also, love your neighbor as yourself. Now think about the ramifications of that with me for just one second. How much do you love yourself? Now, some of us, uh, some of you, maybe I should say, make sacrifices. I've seen some of you be so generous, basically give the shirt off your back to somebody. But don't you also still love yourself? You should love yourself. You absolutely should love yourself. Now, I'm not saying that you should be narcissistic or be in love with yourself or be arrogant. That is not what I'm saying at all. But we have a responsibility to take care of ourselves. To love ourselves enough to know that salvation is on the line. It's for our sake as well as for the sake of others. 
So if you have to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. That's easy for us to say. I think. But I think it's harder for us to behave that way at times. To think about someone else first. To be able to put yourself at the back of the line and put somebody else at the front. To allow something to be someone else's way whenever you like it another way. Loving someone as much as you love yourself is saying that you'll go to eat at a place that you really don't like to go to eat because you love them so much and you know that they like it. I'm not going to tell you what restaurant that is. Amy knows. I went because I love you. (laughs) It's much deeper than that, though. You mean sacrificing your time? Your money? It means caring so much about someone that you remember it's not, it's also not just for your sake, but also for the sake of others that we live a Christian life. And what did Jesus say about it? Do this and you'll live. Now listen, that's important right there. He said, do this and you'll live. He didn't say, do this and you'd probably be better off. Did he? He he didn't say, do this and I'll give you a pat on the back. Do this and you'll be better than those other guys over there that didn't do it. No, he said, do this and you will live. Wow. So what does that make this? An essential, mandatory, not a request. Loving God, loving your neighbor. Essential, mandatory, not a request. So Christ goes on to give an example. Something that me and uh, Rob got to talking about yesterday. The, new, the, the Good Samaritan. Remember this story? I'll just read it. Jesus, uh, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus uh, uh, replied with the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, or a Levite, Walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, and that's going to be two days' wages. Telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked the man, and he replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Let's not forget that Jesus said that at the end of of this parable of the Good Samaritan. Now go and do the same. The same. This Samaritan man basically is helping someone that no one else would even touch, that that didn't even like him strictly because he was a Samaritan. He was different. But yet the Samaritan man helps him anyways. He physically helps him. He puts the work in. 
And he also contributed, gave two days wages to make sure this guy's taken care of. Olive oil was not cheap. And Jesus said, now go and do the same. How are you living? Would you do this? Maybe the situation wouldn't be the exact same thing. Maybe it wouldn't be a man beat up on the side of the road. But there's so many other things in our lives that I think apply right here to this parable. Does your neighbor know about Jesus? For your sake and for his. I hope so. So when Jesus says, now go and do the same. Okay, we get it. But what does that really mean for us? What does it mean to go and do the same? To Again, going back to... Uh, Staying true to what is right. Let's get a little deeper with it. James chapter 1. Verse 21 and 22 to start off. And then you got to love these verses in James, I hope. I know that I do. Verse 21 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. That is a very important verse. No doubt about it. Get rid of all the evil in your lives. Going back to the responsibility that we have as Christians to repent. Repent daily, like we talked about last Sunday. Turn away from it and turn to God. Don't focus on that. Let's focus on Jesus. Get rid of it. Cut it off, throw it away. Remember the scripture? If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. Now, don't really cut yourself. But whatever it is in your life that is sinful, that is causing sin, get rid of it. It's not worth it. It went on to say, to humbly accept God's word. To humbly accept that salvation through Jesus. Humbly. That one stuck out in my mind on this verse here. It's real easy for us to arrogantly accept our word or our way. Is that loving your neighbor? Is that loving God? Is that how we should live? We must humbly accept God's word. Don't fool yourselves. Because the scripture right there was very clear in verse 22. It said... Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Must do what it says. So what do we call that? An essential, mandatory, not a request. God's word, we're blessed. We've got this scripture. It is so easy to get a Bible nowadays. And if you don't have a hard copy, like I've said so many times before, you let me know, I'll get you one. But almost everybody I know has a computer. And there's websites, Bible Gateway or Open Bible, are two that I use quite often. I mean, I don't even have to type those verses when we put them on the PowerPoint. Cut and paste right there. So easy. And if I'm home and I don't have my Bible right on me, I just pull up my iPhone and there's the Word of God. But it's not just seeing it. You must 
do what it says. So when it comes to us and our responsibility for the scripture, we've got to learn it. We've got to know it. We've got to try to understand it as best as we can. And folks, we must certainly have to obey what the Bible says. This is very, 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 very important to you and to me for the sake of our and our friend's salvation. We've got to look carefully at it. The rest of the verse there, James chapter uh, verse 25 through 27. It goes on to say there, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. Talking about the gospel message here. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. Think about that. You must do what it says. If you're claiming to be a person of faith and you're not following Jesus, you're not doing what he's asked you to do, you're fooling yourselves, and your religion is worthless. That's scripture. Now this verse, I hope you know it. James 1.27 Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Look carefully at the word. Don't let the world corrupt you. Don't be corrupt. Don't blame it on the world. Be responsible for yourself. Pure and genuine religion in God's sight. This is what it looks like to him. Taking care of orphans. Taking care of the widows. In God's sight, really, let's think, by the way, this is the only one that matters, right? What you think is pure religion really doesn't matter. What God thinks that we need to do for genuine faith. That's the only thing that matters. What does it mean? Caring for widows. Caring for orphans. Taking care of each other. You can go back to Galatians 6.10. Talking about church family. It says, especially. I'm going to go over that real quick. I want to make sure that I get this verse just exactly right. I want you to know what it says here. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, what does that even mean? Well, that means that when we get together to go shovel snow, that's why we didn't get every single driveway between here and Shirley Cooper's house. We just went to a few. A couple guys will be over there today about, I don't know, 9 o'clock. That's what I thought, yeah. That's why we didn't get every single driveway. We, but we knew we had to, some, some ladies, some people in our church that could probably really use some help. I was so blessed by the, the work that we did yesterday. And some of y'all are thinking, well, wait, you didn't call me. No, I didn't. I didn't call everybody. There were some uh, younger guys and families that wanted to have that responsibility. And we were going we to let them do it. No, we've never paid our dues for, for, like Tony said before. We've always got more that we can do. But sometimes we've also got to know when it's time to let somebody else do. And everybody we had out there yesterday, a little bit younger, strong back, ready to shovel snow. And I supervised a lot. (laughs) He said, amen. (laughs) Caring for widows and orphans, especially those of the faith. There was an opportunity yesterday, I felt. 
to get together, to have some team effort. And you know what? The, the simple fact is, it, so much of it was done the night before. Thanks, Don. Appreciate that. That it made it so that some of us that were here on Saturday were able to go and help out some of our widows. It was awesome ministry. And thank you for participating, and thank you for letting some of the other guys do it. I know that's hard for some of you. It would be for me, too, to step back and say, you know what, I've done this snow removal for all these decades now. Let's let. But it's important. Because it comes back down to what really matters. What do we do? What does it mean? What really matters? Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Mm. I evidently didn't mark this verse. Bear with me. It says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. What really matters? Following Jesus and fishing for men. Now listen, we said following and fish. It's not or. It's not follow Jesus or fish for men. It's, it's together. You've got to do an and there or while. Or at the same time, or following Jesus includes fishing for men. And you can't really fish for men for Jesus unless you're following him already. They go together. We must get this, folks. We have got to understand that. We must. It's an essential. It's mandatory. It's not a request. As Hartford Christian Church goes forward into this year and to decades to follow... We must understand this. Following Jesus and fishing for men. So what's some strategies that we have? Let's go back to 1 Timothy. Chapter 4. Let's go one verse before now in verse 15. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Then it goes on to say, keep a close watch. Give your complete attention. That's hard for me sometimes. And those of you that know me well know that. It's that racing mind thing. What can we preach about? Stay true. Stay true. So our strategies, we've got to take this very seriously. We've got to give our lives following Jesus complete attention. And fishing for men, we better realize how urgent that is. So what's some strategies? Welcome folks in. If somebody new walks through these doors, welcome them in. And even before, because they're not just going to come in randomly, you should be working on somebody. Asking someone to come. Telling somebody about your faith. Living the life so that they come and ask you 
Why are you so happy all the time? Welcome folks in and get them involved. Let them help. Whether it's someone that's brand new to our church or whether it's someone that's younger or someone that's becoming an adult, let them help. Or let them do your job. But what? Let them do your job. Brother Mikey, what do you mean? Do you have a job here at church? Do you have a responsibility? Do you have something that you can let someone else help you with? Maybe uh, it's more important to train up others, right? Than it is that you do the same thing that you've always done. To have a backup is a great way to have a ministry and to build a relationship. Maybe you let them help. Maybe you train them to do it in your absence Maybe they do it with you, or maybe they can do something for you. You've got to train them. You've got to teach younger Christians, and not just a random job around the church, whether, whether it's greeting or communion or whatever the case may be, but also Christian living. How are you living? We could all do better. But some that are more mature in their faith and know the responsibilities that we have. Are you talking to the younger Christians? Are you, are you telling them how important it is or why we do what we do or why it's important that we give our offering or why it's important that we take communion? Kind of like we do this and here's why. We're helping the commitment that it takes. We can't just put it on the younger generation because the responsibility is to reach out to them. In younger generation, you can't just say, well, they're doing it all by themselves and aren't asking us to help because the responsibility is to get involved. Level five leadership is something I've talked about so many times. And this is so hard to do, but remember what the scripture we read before said, we've got to humbly obey God's word. Humbly. Level five leadership, make yourself replaceable. If that's not humility, I'm not sure what is. You can use it as a ministry. But if you haven't made, if you're not training someone, if you haven't made yourself replaceable in whatever it is that you may do, you're not doing it right. Because that is a way to get people involved. That is a way to give people ownership. That is a way to build that relationship so we can help each other. To stay true. For your sake and for others. With humility, with caring, with love, with giving, with physically doing. We've got exciting times coming. I am so blessed and I am so confident because I've seen great things here. And I feel like. I feel so strongly that we are on the verge of really doing something special here in Hartford. And it just sent chills up my spine. Second time that's happened today. First when we, is when we sang Wonderful Grace of Jesus. Awesome song. It's exciting. For your sake and for others, I have to ask you one last time two things. How are you living? And do you get it? Would you please pray with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this opportunity that we've had to come here today to worship you. Help us, Lord, to focus our lives on you, to understand the importance 
to give you complete attention in our lives, to follow you and to fish for you. Lord, I ask that all that are here today will will make it home safely and that we will remember you every single day, every single minute of our lives. Lord, thank you for forgiving us when we fall short. Help us to do that uh, less and less. Lord, help us to be ready and willing and able to, to train up others, to make less of ourselves and greater for you. Lord, we thank you so very much for the reason that we have to rejoice. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.